0: His nostrils.
1: Lead them through the midst of the waters. Christ is my firm foundation The rock on which I stand When everything around me is shaking I've never been more glad That I put my faith in Jesus Cause He's never let me down He's faithful generations So why would he fail now He won't He won't I've still got joy in chaos I've got peace that makes no sense So I won't be gone under. I'm not held by my own strength Cause I built my life on Jesus And he's name
2: said that he would leave the 99 for the one. And I want you to know today that God will leave the crowds just for you. It doesn't matter what you've done because in a multitude of people, he sees you. When he hung on Calvary's cross, he saw you. And here's the greatest mystery of the love of God. And that is that if you were the only person to ever choose Jesus in all of eternity, he still would have gone to the cross for you. So if you're struggling today with, does God love me? Does God want me? Will he forgive me? I want to remind you that his love is relentless. It will bust down every door. It will come through every wall just for you because he loves you. God bless you
3: there is a place called heaven whether you see it or not that doesn't change the existence of god's ultimate plan for our life what is that plan in jeremiah he says that there is a plan god has a plan sometimes we're like uh can i suggest a plan b (laughs) that's what i was doing because heaven didn't seem real to me at times because i didn't see it some people think I only have one foot just because they see only one foot but I have a little second one right here (laughs) and it's always there God's presence is always there if you call upon the name of the Lord you shall be saved and healed and redeemed I don't know if God's gonna give me arms legs in this lifetime but I'll tell you just one quick story of why I have joy in my life thank god for my parents first of all and my family for loving me through that but eight years ago i was here in this area speaking at a church and a little boy with no arms no legs was in the crowd the father held him up 19 month old little daniel martinez no arms no legs little foot just like me and i'm like wow that's so cool (laughs) we're gonna wrestle later on I got the father to bring him up on stage and everyone was looking at him and people were crying I looked at him he's looking up at me with his big brown eyes and a big smile when I looked at him I remembered when I was at school when I was getting teased when I was getting bullied when I felt alone when I was broken when I was depressed to the point of an attempted suicide at age 10 I tried to drown myself in our family bathtub because I felt alone I felt worthless and I felt life was pointless if there is no point to my suffering then if God's not going to relieve my suffering then I'll do it myself but by the grace of God I did not go through with that because the love of my parents but I thought one way of really seeing a miracle would be if god would send a limbless man to my school and talk to all these kids about bullying that would have changed my life that would be classed in my eyes as a miracle but when you don't get a miracle you can still be a miracle of god for someone else it's that 15 foot radius around you the people you come into contact with people notice my smile people notice when I look them in their eyes, they're like, what's a guy without arms and legs smiling about? Well, I I love God and He has set me free. The only cure to death is resurrection and because I believe I'm living forever and ever and ever, not that just heaven is real, but Jesus is real to me now. He carries me when I cannot walk. And if God can use a man without arms and legs to be his hands and feet then God can use you too if God used my broken pieces then God can use your broken pieces if God caused a lame woman to walk in India in front of me he can cause you to walk if you cannot walk but let me tell you about the love of God for a second this old woman in India she looked about 144 years old I mean, she was, she couldn't close her mouth because she was that weak. She looked at me, she was trembling like this. And through a translator, we spoke to her. Where were we in India? In the red light district of brothel houses, 150 brothel houses where 10 year olds are kidnapped and sold by their parents sometimes for $700. Forced into sex slavery that's where we were going to preach the gospel and we went into a home and this old woman was sitting down on the floor her sister walks in and says stop talking about your God stop talking about Jesus show me that he's real make this woman walk she said I don't want to hear about your God let me see it so I sort of took a step back and I'm like okay God you know that." She's putting you on the spot here, not me, right? You know that you're not putting me on the spot. She's putting you on the spot. I just want you to get that here. So we prayed about it, prayed for her, prayed um, just right there and then with even a camera rolling. And the first time she tried to get up, she couldn't get up. She was trying to stretch her legs out. She hadn't walked for four years. She's never left that front door for four years. They carry her to the restroom her sister was saying that she was dying now we prayed again she got up all by herself she started jumping up and down it was a miracle but here's the miracle who that woman was that woman wasn't just any woman that woman was the one who started that whole red light district 45 years ago of organizing sex slavery getting the pimps and the madams and the kidnappers and ruining and destroying thousands and thousands of girls lives and God healed her God pursued her God pursues you every day, every breath, for as long as you are breathing, the door of mercy and grace is open to you. Adam and Eve, who had no belly button, by the way, were with God in the Garden of Eden. God wanted us as a family, for as long as Adam and Eve did not sin, that one sin, they would be with God forever the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. As soon as they sinned, God couldn't be in their presence because He is God, He is holy, God is the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. He created the universe, He created everything we see and we don't see. Who am I to say, hey God, you, you owe me an explanation for this. He's God, who am I? who am I that I could demand hey God please tell me what you're gonna do with me and then I'll trust you it's as foolish as me having a broken house and the best carpenter knocks on my door and I don't let him in because I want him to explain what he's about to do to fix me up Jesus is the healer he loves you Don't deny him into your heart just because you don't believe that you're not good enough for his love That's the amazing thing about God's unconditional love He pursues you and when you hear his voice don't harden your heart let him in I hardened my heart I didn't think he could do miracles with my broken pieces You know when I was a kid I I never thought I'd get married I have a beautiful wife Her name is Kanae. We have a little baby boy, nearly 18 months old. His name is Kiyoshi. He's already my height. You know, I used to be worried about how I'm going to hold my wife's hand when I was a kid. Would I ever get married? Would I ever have a job? When my parents saw me, the doctor said, I'm not going to be able to walk. They had no idea what God's vision was. They were looking for hope, but they found it because they were looking in the right place.
4: Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to Sunday service. My name is Pastor Todd Coconato. I'm so blessed that you're here. Uh, We're going to talk about the Red Sea today and why we cannot forget what God is able to do, what he's willing to do, what he's able to do, why he gave us his word. There's a lot of people that are trying to limit God. You notice this? They want to limit. Well, he can't do that. He's not going to do that. Instead of doing what the Word of God says by praying and fasting, calling upon His name and remembering what the Word of God says, because the Bible says faith comes from hearing, hearing from the Word of God. So why don't we get into this today? It's a Red Sea moment. That's why I think it's such an important time to talk about this very important story in the good book. And so let's go ahead and pray and invite the presence of God to work on our hearts this morning. So Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this day. We thank you that you're going to give us your word today, Lord God. And we pray that this word resonates in our heart and that builds us in our faith. It strengthens us in our faith because there's a lot of people that want us not to have faith right now. They want to just tell us it's over. It's done. They, The devil wants us weary. The world wants us weary. They want us to just forget about what you say in your word. But what your word says is true. What your word says is the fact. Not what some fact checker on Facebook says, God. It's what your word says. And so, Lord, today, let us just bask in your presence and be filled with your spirit and hear from you. And so I pray you sanctify me in this time and that you use me as a vessel this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, let's, let's get into this today. So I'm going to read a little bit of my notes here because I'm going to kind of set the tone just in case you never heard the story. And so we'll put up a picture while I do that so you can kind of see where the children of Israel are at. So you got to remember, they were in captivity in Egypt for a long time, and all of a sudden, God starts to deliver them through, you know, Moses and what happened with the plagues. And all of a sudden, you know, he says, let my people go. And so the people are finally, after all these plagues, let go and they're, they're on their way. They're bound for the promised land. And they come to this defining moment where they're at this sea that they have to cross and the enemies are, are starting to come from behind them. And so it's a moment of pressure. Does it sound kind of familiar? You know, pressure. God is about to deliver his people into into a, the promised land. And, and by the way, next week, we're going to talk about the spies, because I think that's extremely important from where we're at right now is the spies. But right now, this is this defining moment where they're getting to this area that they have to cross, and it looks impossible. that even though the God of heaven and earth literally just delivered them from their captors and, and got them out through just a a miracle, a series of miracles that happened. And even all that just happened, but there's still some people that want to turn back into their captivity and they're doubting God and they're at this moment of decision. So let me read this today. Um, It says, the importance of the parting of the Red Sea is that this one event is the final act of God's delivering his people from slavery in Egypt. The exodus from Egypt and the parting of the Red Sea is the single greatest act of salvation in the Old Testament and it is continually recalled to represent God's saving power the events of the exodus including the parting of and the crossing the parting and the crossing of the red sea are immortalized in the psalms as Israel brings to remembrance God's saving works in their worship and if you're taking notes it's psalms 66, 6, believe it or not uh, 78, 13, Psalms 106, 9, and Psalms 136, 13. So God prophesied to Abraham saying that his descendants would become slaves in a foreign nation. This is setting the tone now for 400 years, but God promised to deliver them. He says this in Genesis fifteen, fourteen. he says, but I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve. And afterward, they shall come out with great possessions. Now, that prophecy came to the fulfillment when many years after the death of Joseph, a Pharaoh came to power in Egypt who afflicted the people of Israel and enslaved them. And this is, of course, Exodus 8 through 11, Exodus 1, 8 through 11, Exodus 1, 8 through 11. It wasn't until after the birth of Moses. And by the way, Moses is kind of there's many times where there's like a precursor to Jesus. He wasn't obviously was not the son of God but he was somebody that got anointed to deliver the people, okay? And it wasn't until after the birth of Moses that we would see God heard the cries of his people and prepared to deliver them. And that's Exodus 2, 23 through 25. So let's stop there, okay? People are saying God is not hearing the prayers. But what does the Bible say? The faithful, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. So right now, there's a lot of people saying God's not here in our prayers, we're under judgment, we're going into captivity, and yet we're not in captivity yet. So there's still time for a second Chronicles 714 moment. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and turn from their wicked ways. And I believe personally, because I've seen this, is there's many people that have indeed done that. There's many people, the righteous remnant, that have repented and that are calling upon the name of the Lord. Now, of course, the greater body of Christ doesn't need to repent. Yes. Do we need to continue to search ourselves and, you know, come out from among them and be set apart and hunger and thirst for righteousness? Absolutely. Is there leaven in, in the camp of the righteous? I think so. Okay. I think there's still a lot of work that needs to be done, but there is a righteous remnant that have repented. I, I witnessed this in DC when I was down there right before the 26, uh, 2020 election when thousands, at the hundreds of thousands of saints of God. Maybe you were there. Maybe you watched it on TV at the return. Uh, they came and, and I was there on the lawn, walking through, talking to thousands and pe- I mean, thousands of people. We just for two days sat there and just talked to people, you know, all throughout that lawn in DC. And people were crying out to God. They were blowing the shofar. They were repenting. They were calling upon the name of the Lord. So That did happen, friends, and I believe it's happened since then, and I believe it's happened before then. So, there are people repenting, probably you. Have you called upon the name of the Lord? If you haven't, I think you should. In fact, you should for sure. Okay, if you haven't repented, if you haven't turned from wickedness, today is the day. Why wait another day? Today is the day. Today is the day to repent. Don't wait another day. But many of you in this Remnant community, many of you have, in fact, repented. And you have called upon the name of the Lord. And there's a frustration and there's a discouragement that's tried to mount up. There's, that's why we're seeing so many people talk about depression and oppression. And, and, and I don't know if the Lord's hearing my prayers. He is hearing your prayers. And so if you go back to what I was just saying here, this is the first time the Lord started responding to the prayers of the people of God. He heard their cries of his people and prepared to Deliver them. Now, the rest of the story is well known. Obviously, Moses was commissioned by God to be the deliverer of his people. Okay. He went before the Pharaoh and requested the people be let go, as I had talked about earlier, so that they may worship the Lord. Of course, Pharaoh refused. In fact, the Bible even says he hardened his heart and began to oppress the people of Israel even more. And then began a cycle of 10 plagues. And Moses requested that the Pharaoh release his people, but the Pharaoh refused. And so God sent a plague. And then Pharaoh repented and removed, and God removed the the plague. And the final plague, the death of the firstborn, Pharaoh finally agreed to let the children of Israel go. But then he had another change of heart and chased after them with his army. And that's when the great scene of deliverance occurred as God parted the Red Sea, allowing the children of Israel to pass through safely, but drowning Pharaoh and his army under the sea. See, God's done miracles in my life, and that's why, and by the way, I'm in the word of God, and I'm not saying that to brag, I'm saying it because faith comes from hearing, hearing, hearing. The word of God. So when we're spending time with the word of God, somebody says, Well, you know, you had this one on your podcast and they said this, or, you know, listen, I tell people we have guests on the podcast because we do. I mean, that's what we do. We have guests. And a lot of these people, most of them are really good people and they have a heart for the Lord and they love the Lord. I'm not just going to have any old Joe Schmo on the broadcast, but I can't track what they do 24 seven or what they say 24 seven. And so if you get anything from this ministry, okay, and this includes myself, by the way. Because this is what, see, as a shepherd and a pastor, I'm, I'm equipping you to be set up for success in Christ, not, not as long as Todd Coconato's alive, you know, not as long as I'm, I'm here. That, that would not be doing my job correctly, okay? What I'm meant to do is, is to point you to God and to point you to his word and to give you the tools and the keys that God has given us all to be set up for success, not only here on earth, but for eternity, and so that's why I say, look, you can listen to this prophet or that person or whoever God sends you to listen to. And, and you say, this is resonating in my spirit. And, you know, I believe that I've tested the spirits. and This person is legit and they love the Lord. Well, that's great because God has sent voices and he is raising up voices in this hour. And, and some of these people are voices of encouragement and that's fine. But the thing is, though, the main thing is that we have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ that we are spending time in prayer every day, every day, that we have a personal relationship and that we're in the word of God. And if you do those things and you become a worshiper, that's the icing on the cake. Live a lifestyle of worship, worshiping, you know, worshiping the Lord. What do I mean? A lifestyle of worship. I wake up in the morning. I praise God for the day. I praise him throughout the day. I praise him at the end of the day. We as a family go to bed. We praise the Lord. We give him praise and we break the assignment of hell on us because there's Pretty significant warfare that tries to come after us these days, especially because we're in a very strong, very powerful battle of light versus darkness. But we've got to remember what God has done in our lives miracle after miracle over the years. I mean, have you had a child? Have you watched that child be born? That's a miracle, my friend. Okay. Are you still here despite many trials and many tests that you've went through in your life, and yet you've been able to persevere and press ahead? How? because of the strength of God. Why? Because he's ordering your steps. And so run and not, don't grow weary. Amen. Run and don't grow weary. All right. So let's continue. Um, I'm going to talk about the temptation that we may have here to think that this is a wonderful story of God's miraculous saving power on display and then leave it right there. Okay. But we're missing the bigger picture if we do that in the story of redemption because the old testament prepares the way for the new testament and all of God's promises and what are they yes and amen and that's found in 2 corinthians 1:20 so the exodus from egypt though a real historical event prefigures the saving work of Christ for his people what God did through Moses was to provide physical salvation from physical slavery what God did through Christ is to provide spiritual salvation from spiritual slavery. However, our slavery isn't like that of the Israelites in Egypt, although it's starting to get to be like that because of the deep state system, the Babylon system, and how God wants us to come out from among them. So I really do believe that in many ways there's a lot of similarities here. But what I'm trying to say is the uh, Israelites were slaves in Egypt, but we're slaves to sin. We're all slaves to sin. As Jesus said to the Pharisees, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Now, we find ourselves at this very pivotal crossroads moment in time. I talk about it a lot. If you are a regular listener of the radio show or the podcast, or you follow me for a while, you know, I've been talking about this pivotal apex moment, this moment of decision. And I have to address this because there's two sides to this, okay? There's really optimistic people that are leaving out repentance and, you know, all they talk about is, you know, sit back and enjoy the show and it's all a game, it's all a show, you know, and that's that. Okay, then you got the people on the other side that are saying, that's it, we're in judgment, it's done, stop, you know, giving people hope, okay? And I'm going to tell you as a pastor and a shepherd, I'm not going to stop giving people hope. Why? Because Jesus is the hope. He's the hope for this world. He's the light. He's the the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him, but Jesus is the answer. It's not Donald Trump. I love Donald Trump. I pray for Donald Trump. What just happened at Mar-a-Lago is absolutely despicable. I've been talking against it all week and doing my part to take a stand for our nation, for freedoms, for our constitution. But ultimately, as I say, it is Jesus that's the answer okay? It is repentance. It's turning away from sin. It's the blood of Jesus, the cross of Calvary, turning back to our first love, turning back to biblical Christianity, morality, you know, common sense. Uh, All of these things are incredibly important. And, And it's the truth that sets the captive free. But we are indeed standing, and I want to address that other side that says we don't have to do anything. That's like the extreme grace, you know, that just you know, anything goes. It's like a wide gate strategy, but the Bible says straight is the way, narrow is the gate that leads unto salvation. So the only way to the Father is through the Son, through Jesus. Straight is the way, narrow is the gate that leads unto salvation. You know, don't just sit back and do nothing because faith without works is dead. But then you got the people over here that God's not going to do anything. Judgment, judgment, judgment. That's all that's happening. And meanwhile, God has given us this moment of time right now where we're not quite in captivity completely, and we have a, a decision to make, will we be a Nineveh or will we be a Sodom and Gomorrah? So people ask me the question, well, you talk about standing. What can I do? What is standing? Well, standing is many different things. I mean, God will give you an assignment, in other words, a, a mission or something that he puts on your heart that you can do in your community, you can do in your church, you can do in your family, you can do it your business, you can do whatever, you know, at your school, wherever it is. He'll give you something, in unction in your spirit. This is what you got to do. We've seen a lot of these people standing up, mama bears, papa bears, gym owners, nurses, doctors, law enforcement people, people that have come out from among them and said, I'm going to stand and they're doing their part to stand. And God has given them a, a platform out of nowhere, it seems, because he's anointed them for this hour. You know, so we're seeing a lot of that because they've shown up and they've said, send me, I'll go, Lord. I want to, I want to hunger and thirst righteous. I'm here to serve. And then God says, great. Here's what you do. So that's one way you can stand. Another way you can stand is supporting people that are in the battle, like myself. You know, many of you have a heart to support this ministry. I, I, I wish some more people would have a heart to do that because we'd be able to do even greater things and more things. But thank you to those that do have a heart. Okay. And God has given a, a blessing of finances to some where you're able to fund the kingdom and listen. People try to minimize that. That is a huge deal, friends. Okay. There has to be people that fund the kingdom. Otherwise, you know, that in the natural, how would we be able to do these things? So God has anointed people to be able to be wealthy on this earth so that they can fund the kingdom. And that is an anointing. That's another thing you can do to stand. Um, there's so many different things. You can become an intercessor. I have a heart to pray and intercede and spend time in the war room. And that's why we ask for you know your prayer requests and you list them out on Facebook posts. And then we go through the hundreds and hundreds of comments and we pray and we seek the Lord and we and we pray over the situation. And God is doing breakthroughs in some of those situations. And some of you write me, and you say, Pastor Todd, I had the breakthrough. Something shifted. And I'm not saying it's just our prayers. It's our combined prayers, your prayers, my my prayers, this team's prayers. All of our prayers, because the prayers of the righteous are heard. The Lord responds to the prayers of the righteous. The world would have us not to pray. The devil would have us not to pray. The naysayers that are up in your ear would have you not to pray. So one of the things in standing is prayer and intercession. Now, the Lord says the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. So we could pull down, pull down the strongholds. It says in that same verse pull down the strongholds. So how do we pull down the strongholds? Well, we go to the courts of heaven, you know, and, and we pray and we fast and we intercede and we contend and we travail. Okay. And we get on our face before the living God. Fasting is a way to stand. There's many, many, many different things that you can do to stand. The word of God is the sword of the spirit. Speak the word of God. The Bible says the word of God is not return back void. Many times when some of you are putting up certain posts on Facebook and you know, it's causing people to, you know, manifest. And all of a sudden you got everybody, you know, people different coming against you and different things like that. That's a form of standing. If God put it on your heart to speak a word of truth and a word from the Bible, and people are freaking out about it for lack of a better word, it's because the truth sets the captive free. And so you put something into motion. You put something in motion. Your prayers put something in motion. contending, decreeing. The Bible says life and death are in the power of the tongue. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. So when you decree something and you speak it out and you say that America shall be saved. This is not the end. The end is not yet. I'm going to stand for righteousness. You know, you start speaking words of life and truth. What's happening? You're standing. So there's many different things that you could do to stand. Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. What did they do? They stood. Okay. Instead of what? Bowing down. Bowing to who? The fake prophets of Baal, the, 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 the idol worship, all the different things that you and I are dealing with now, because there's nothing new under the sun. We're in a spiritual battle. That's what the whole thing is about. And God has given us every resource, every tool. He's given us his word. His word is truth. And so he has given us what we need to not only survive, but thrive in this hour, and I just rebuke over whoever it is that's watching right now. I just feel it. Right now, the Lord says, break depression. Break it in Jesus' name. Break depression in Jesus' name over your life, over your life. If that's you right now, just agree. There's a deliverance that's happening right now in Jesus' name. We break the spirit of depression. We break the lie of the devil over their life. You say our yoke is easy, our burden is light. Thank you, God, for your anointing. Thank you that you are moving right now. Hallelujah. 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 Yes, somebody, I feel the warmth in my hand. I always know when I feel the warmth, something is happening. And so, you know, I know we're on a TV screen or a smartphone screen or you're watching on YouTube or Facebook or Rumble or wherever you watch this. But I'm telling you, something just left. I felt the presence of God. Okay, and that's not me. I don't do anything. I don't make anything happen. But the, the spirit of living God just Somebody is getting moved right now, and you're feeling something happening. God is delivering you from depression, oppression, doubt, fear, and the lies of the enemy right now in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. See, we've got to be overcomers. Okay? It doesn't matter what this one said or that one said or what's going on around us, our life, you know, the naysayers, all the people that say all the stuff, what matters is what God says. What matters is what his word says. God is getting us ready because we are going into the promised land. Okay, we are going, we are, this isn't the end. It's the beginning of a new season. Okay, it's not the end. You're, the end is not yet. See, how do you know that, Todd? Because the Lord has spoke to me prophetically. Now, obviously, no one knows the day or the hour when Jesus will return. I'm not saying I know that. Only the Father in heaven knows that. But what I'm saying is I have an unction of the Holy Ghost to tell you and to speak words of life over our situation here in America. And maybe you're in another Western country or somewhere else around the world. But God is saying it's not done yet. Hold on. Hold the line. Okay, these people that were at the edge of this Red Sea, there were some people that were like, let's just go back. Let's just go back into the captivity. These are the people that are saying, I just want to go back to normal. What is normal? Define normal. Was was living in apathy for the last 30 years in the body of Christ, was that normal? Complacency, relying on Donald Trump to fight our battles instead of the church fighting the battles. That's why I said it's gone from the political to the church, the spotlight's on the church. What are we going to do? We're going to stand. What does standing mean, Pastor? I just, I just broke it out. And there's some things that I, I didn't even mention, but the Lord will give you the understanding. Seek the Holy Spirit. Go into the secret place. Have a prayer life. God will show you how to do what you need to do to stand. Does that make sense? Are you with me? Hallelujah. Okay. So the, the passing through the Red Sea is a symbol of the believer's identification with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. The Apostle Paul says... For what I want you to know, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud and passed through the sea and were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and the sea, okay, and all ate of the same spiritual food, the manna, and all drank of the spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. See, this whole thing is, is planned out. God already told us the end, the beginning, the middle, He said, be set apart, be ye holy, don't be the church of Laodicea, don't be conformed to the things of this world, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, come out from among them. He wants you to be the empowered church. He wants us to be the empowered church. And Paul is giving the exodus from Egypt a a, a Christological reading. He's making the connection between the exodus from Egypt and the salvation in Christ. Notice how Paul says, all were baptized into Moses. Just as the Israelites were baptized into Moses, so too are Christians baptized into Christ. We are buried, uh, therefore, with him by baptism unto death, death, in order that Jesus Christ in us is raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. That's why I often quote that scripture that says, it's that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead that's in us. Why would we doubt? Why would we fear? How many times in the Bible were there doubting Thomases? Were there doubting people that said, "Oh, we just want to go back into captivity. Oh, God's not going to do anything." We've got to remember the God that we serve. We can't limit Him, friends. We can't limit Him. So parting the Red Sea not only finalized God's redemption of His people from slavery in Egypt, but it also prefigured the greater spiritual reality of God's redemption of His people from slavery to sin through the work. Of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the author and the finisher of our story. He is the beginning and the end, the first and the last. He is the one that goes before us, like 2 Chronicles 20. We have to stand. Okay. Don't grow weary, my friend, and you're doing good. The devil, that's why God gave us that, that verse don't grow weary and doing good. Okay. Don't grow weary. I know sometimes it's hard. And your situation listen i could sit here and have a pity party about all the things that have happened just in my personal life and in our home this last couple of weeks i mean i'm not talking about my wife and i get along great praise god i'm talking about you know there's been so much warfare so much attack you know my on my physical health just bizarre stuff and yet you know we press ahead because we know our battle is not against flesh and blood we know it's against strongholds. We know it's against principalities. And we know that we're feeling that spiritual pressure because we're about to enter in the promised land. Keep pushing ahead. Don't give up. Okay. Don't surrender. Don't back down. Stand, 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 press ahead, move ahead in victory. Start speaking words of life over your situation. Start declaring and decreeing calling upon the name of the Lord, praising him in the middle of the situation and watch what God is going to do. Watch what he's going to do in your life. We are at a Red Sea moment, my friends, and God is going to part the Red Sea. You watch and see what the Lord does. We overcome by the blood of the lamb and the power of our testimony. I don't know about you, but God has got me through so much in my life. That's my testimony. He's got me through so much. He spared my life. He set me free of addiction. He set me free of a life of sin and death. Hallelujah. And we're about to enter in to a new season in a promised land situation. Yes, the world is crazy. Yes, there's all types of egregious things that we talk about almost every day where we're shining a light on the darkness. Things that have been done in darkness are going to be brought to the light. You better believe it. Don't lose hope. Amen. Let me pray for you right now. In Jesus name, I just thank you for everybody that's watching. I pray that they would leave this broadcast today and leave the church service today feeling inspired, encouraged, strengthened in their faith. Yes, we stand at the the cusp of the Red Sea right now. And Lord God, there's always going to be the naysayers. There's always going to be the people that say it's not going to happen. It's never going to happen. God's not hearing our prayers, but Lord, you are hearing our prayers. And you're moving on our behalf. And so we stand on your promise, which is yes and amen, hope and a future. And we say yes to you, your will and your way in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Listen, if you... Today is the day if you've never given your heart to the Lord, okay? If you've never given your heart to the Lord Jesus, today is indeed that day. Today is the day when you need to lay down the things of this world and you need to say, Lord, I'm coming on your side. I want to accept you into my heart as my Lord and Savior. If that's you, if that's you, I don't care where you're at right now. You're watching on a smartphone. You're watching on YouTube. You're watching your home. You're streaming. You're casting. Wherever you're at, I don't care if there's 20 people in your home or no one in your home, okay? if It's just you. Raise your hand right now. Say, that's me, Pastor. That's me. I want to accept Jesus. Today's the day. I'm accepting him into my heart today. If that's you, just lift up your hand right now. I want to pray for you. Now, listen, if you're lifting your hand right now, keep it up. I want you to say these words. Just repeat this prayer. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for the cross. I thank you that you've come into my heart. Jesus, be my Lord and be my Savior. I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart that you are Lord. Today is the day I give my life to you. I will never, 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 never turn back. I'm all in. I'm all in. In Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, if you accepted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior today, I want to hear about it. So we can send you a Bible. We can pray with you. I'd love to pray with you. You can um, email me, Todd.Coconato, C-O-C-O-N-A-T-O, Todd.Coconato, at rlcu Go ahead and email me that and let me know you accepted Jesus. Let's set up a time for a call or see how we could be praying for you. But we love you and we bless you in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for tuning in and we'll see you this week. God bless.
1: Up next, we have Pastor Todd Coconado, And he is the director of the Religious Liberty Coalition And his website is rlc.us.org.
4: Well, good afternoon, good morning for those on the West Coast. Isn't this amazing what God's doing here today? I just want to thank, before I start, Dr. Garlow and the Wellverse team because the anointing of God's Holy Spirit and presence has met us here. It's so amazing to see people operating in their gifts for a time such as this. Do you guys agree with that? So, I'm the director of the Religious Liberty Coalition, I've also been a pastor for many years, and I want to address a very concerning thing that we're noticing, what we're seeing right now. And we're seeing a major encroachment on religious liberties and freedoms. In fact, like we've never seen before, and it's, it's continuing to escalate. And so we're considering an imminent danger, because it is, to our republic, it's an overreach of power. And we're seeing this more often. I'm just gonna speak from a statistical point. This isn't from a partisan point. But I know where the calls are coming in. And guess where they're coming from? They're coming from blue states, they're coming from blue cities, they're coming from blue counties, far more. So I I just have to speak on that from a statistical standpoint. And I believe our nation is facing a fatal risk because the government is taking actions that are violating our fundamental freedoms. There's governors, there's mayors, there's local officials, county officials. They're, they're going down a path that is absolutely dangerous. They're eroding at our constitution, our constitutional rights. And so what has the church been doing during this time? That's a good question, right? <laughs> no, we, we've been being the church for most of us. You know, I, I talked to pastors out in California, and I will tell you, there was a time when it was okay for them to reopen, but there was a litany, a crazy list of things that they had to do. In fact, my friends were sharing this list and I was like, that's almost impossible to do all these things, but they were doing it. And so they're complying with the health guidelines. They're, they're going the extra mile to adapt the services. We've seen this. And we're continuing to serve the community. But what's been happening despite this is, is that there continues to be an uptick in the persecution and we're seeing this happening. And like I said, it's extremely troubling. So I just wanna go through a couple of things that I've seen happen. So I've seen churches. There's a church out in California that literally has been fined $50,000 for being open, for being open. There's other churches that are getting fined $5,000. They're calling us from all over, and they're telling us, we're being fined. $5, what should we do? Um, I have a friend, uh, a good friend, Pastor Rodney Howard Brown down in Florida. He actually got arrested. He, we were texting the night before. He said, Pastor Todd, he said, there's helicopters outside my house. So this is the United States of America. Could you imagine just six months ago, eight months ago, if somebody would have come from the future and told you that we would be dealing with these things? And you know what's really interesting to me? Is we're not seeing protests from the people of Christ, the people of God, that are saying, what what is going on here? You know, and, and so it shows us. Now, of course, we know a lot of the protests on the left are funded and there's agitators and, you know, things like that. But we need to be standing up. And so that's why I wanted to talk about this today because it's so critically important. And so here we are, November's coming. I mentioned to you just from a statistical standpoint where are the call's coming from. They're calling from the blue cities, states, right? And now we're looking that the highest level, uh, the presidency, could go to somebody with that same viewpoint, that same world view. Would that mean that we could look at this as a nationwide threat against our religious liberties and freedoms? Absolutely. Absolutely. And this is increasingly clear. The attacks on the First Amendment right during the, during the health crisis should be a warning sign that we're dealing with a constitutional crisis. And the reason why uh, Newt Gingrich, who was a guest on my radio show recently, he came on Fox News, I don't know if you saw this, and he was talking about how George Soros has placed you know, people in positions of power and they started cutting him off and silencing them. But what we're seeing, the very problem is, there's activist judges, there's activist DAs, there's people that are abusing their power, and they're, they're going against the Constitution. And so, what's at stake? Religious liberty and freedom is at stake. and We need to understand elections have consequences. And so, this includes our inalienable rights to exercise our belief in attending church. What does the Bible say? Do not forsake the assembling together of the brethren. Wouldn't it make sense that the enemy would try to stop us from assembling? I'll tell you, I took an American Airlines flight, and I had a mask on, but there was somebody sitting here, and somebody sitting here. I went to Home Depot. I went to Lowe's. I went to Kroger. People all in there. But yet, look what's happening to the houses of worship. We should be concerned about this. I was in a meeting And Pastor Jensen Franklin, who's an awesome man of God, he said something, and it really took root in my heart. He said, we need to speak now or forever hold our peace. There's a reason why the Founding Fathers fought to ensure that religious freedom was a special first place in the Constitution. They understood that people of faith and the churches are essential to the fabric of our society, to restrain government overreach. Now, it's been mentioned before today, but I'm going to mention it again. Recently, President Donald Trump said what the Bible already tells us, that the church is essential. Thank you. And the Declaration of Independence, it declares that our rights come from God. You know, the Constitution guarantees those rights so that the religious communities can freely live out our faith. Now, recently, the Democrat nominee, former Vice President Joe Biden, He said something that concerns me. I pastored out in California for many years and we fought against a piece of legislation called the Equality Act. And Joe Biden wants to make this front and center. And this is a very concerning piece of legislation if you don't know about it because it brings certain topics back to the forefront that we should be concerned about. It brings the issue of contraception. It brings what they call health-related matters. But guess what a health-related matter is? Gender reassignment surgeries. Marriage and family definitions. Forced hiring of people... That you know go against their values. So a church, a nonprofit, could be forced to hire somebody that doesn't agree with their values. Otherwise, they could face fines or disciplinary action, even jail time. Think about this. So the First Amendment of the Constitution, it says, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. So let's fast forward 250 years. And what's on the forefront of topic right now? We're talking about religious liberties. It is a major issue in 2020. So what is religious freedom? So it's not just the freedom to worship. It means that we shouldn't have to go against our beliefs, our conscience, our core beliefs. It protects people's right to live, to speak, to act according to our beliefs peacefully and publicly. Very important word, publicly. It protects our ability to be ourselves at work, at class and social activities, not being fired from our job or censored from the mob mentality or the cancel culture. Did you know that 350,000 religious congregations operate schools, pregnancy centers, soup kitchens? We had a food ministry for 16 years out in Los Angeles. I will tell you, the impact of the faith community is is literally priceless. It is said that it's an estimated 70-plus Uh, million people that are being helped by this and served. And so ultimately religious liberty and freedom benefits everybody. And that's why we need to protect it. It doesn't just protect the church. It protects Christians, Jews, Muslims, agnostics, atheists. It preserves us to have different worldviews and, and to peacefully live together without fear or punishment. And this is the opposite of the mob rule and the cancel culture movement that we're seeing happen today. So The two party platforms couldn't be more drastically different. One allows the protection of these very freedoms that I'm talking about today, the other seeks to silence, to censor, to limit people of faith, and to take God out of everything. The choice couldn't be more clear in 2020, and so I'm just gonna give you a quote that I think is so incredibly important. I want, just, just think about this. We're either voting to protect our religious liberties in 2020, or we're voting for our own persecution. The bottom line is if we're willing to ignore and allow the downgrade of religious liberty in our society, the problem is once you lose a right, it's very, very hard, if not impossible, to get it back. And so I just wanna speak from my heart as I get ready to close on this topic. But I'm a father of a one-year-old and she's gonna grow up in America. And I've enjoyed as a pastor to be able to speak freely and you know, we've all enjoyed America and being protected by the Constitution. But right now, her future, Your children, your grandchildren's future is at stake. And that's why I'm here today to say, please pray, ask for wisdom and discernment, and think about the information that's being spoke today because the Bible says the truth shall set the captive free. God bless.
0: Well, thank you very much, uh, Todd uh, Coconato. This on the panel with me here today is uh, Congressman Bob McEwen. We have Art Hodges and Pastor Jim Garlow. Uh, hearing from, uh, from Todd here, it, it, uh, Bob, I want to ask you, tyranny doesn't usually start <clears throat> with tanks rolling down the street. Uh, it usually starts smaller than that, but how can we recognize the seeds of tyranny?
5: Well, it, 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 it's a shock that Americans... I never would have thought Americans so would have succumbed to this as, as rapidly as it has. Microphone. And... Uh, <clears throat> Mike, so it's it's uh, that's not the issue. Um, so, so the the fact that we're willing to do that is really just a, a very startling uh, that we would succumb to people that we don't know. There's no one that has authority to tell us where to sit or what to do. Um, and, and and then for the churches to voluntarily close. And uh, I mean, just like I said, back when you did have real pandemics, and half of the city would die the last place that they close would be the church. Right, right. Mm. And, and yet that's the first place that we close, and nobody seems to be the least bit concerned about it. And yeah. so uh, mm. it's frightening. Yeah,
0: Our, uh, A lot of people have said that we can't c- control over COVID-19 or any virus unless we have some strong top-down measures. What would you say to that? Well, <clears throat> nobody cares for people in a church like the pastor does. Mm. The governor doesn't even know the people in our churches. The pastors are there to watch out as a shepherd over the flock. Uh, listen, in our church, we followed every CDC guideline, every state-county health guideline, and beyond. Jesus said, if you're compelled to go one mile, go two. So safety's not the issue. That is not the issue. We've not had a single person be infected with COVID after having attended a worship service since March 15th. Not a single one. And thousands have come through our church and campus. Yeah. Pastor Garlow, the, although the, the government's not really asking you to not worship, just don't gather together. What, what would be the problem with that?
2: Yeah, they're just dictating you, you can't do it in the buildings you, you built for it. Yeah. Uh, that'd be like telling everybody you can't be in your homes anymore. Uh, tell Walmart you can't be in your building anymore. Just Just move out into the parking lot. It was uh, recently in our city, an unusually high, 115 degrees on a weekend. We don't Same have record, that yeah. in San Diego. But of course, we had to have service. <laughs> Anybody had service, had to have it outdoors because it was so much safer there. Regardless of the size of your auditorium, I, I, I served as the voice uh, in one-minute commentaries for Alliance Defending Freedom for several years, articulating all the cases, every, five days a week, all the cases on religious liberty that were before the courts of the land, Mm. and this next part is going to sound a little tough, a little edgy, but many of the pastors who opposed pastors who were taking stands are now finding themselves face to face with legal, uh, people who stood against us taking stands as pastors saying you shouldn't be, quote, political. We were Mm. being biblical, but they didn't recognize it. Now they're crying out for help because the government is coming after them. Mm. They waited 40 years too late. We tried to warn Mm -hmm. them. Yeah. Now, I'm glad they're on board, but it's a tough time to come on board right now. We needed to have 300,000 pastors on board with us through this 40 years, and we would never be in the situation we're in.
5: Bob? We just saw about the critical race theory. The president of the United States stepped in and put a stop to that in the federal government, and then he did something else that just absolutely set the whole world upside down. On Monday night, they said, you know, it's not only that, it's where you put the money. And he says, oh, yes, wherever federal funds are used, that's every college in America. That's mm-hmm. every high school. Uh, we, th- this is a spiritual fight like we've never, ever had. Yep. And we've never had a man with as much brass backbone, titanium, <laughs> titanium backbone, and we'll never have it again. And, and for this, if we can get through this, we'll survive. If we miss it, uh, I shudder to think of what our freedom holds.
0: Thank you very much, panelists, and thank you for being here. I'm Matt Bellis, and you have been (laughs) well-versed.